Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. Welcome to Wednesday night. We have two days left after this, 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. Friday at 10 a.m., I'm going to devote the final service for those that are in ministry or called in the ministry. Everybody's welcome to come, but I'm going to do uh, an anointing service for ministers. This is a super important hour to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only thing that keeps a nation from collapse is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if churches stay small and don't win the lost and there's, you know, they die, a nation dies with it. But if the ministers rise up and uh, walk in the power of God, the devil does not have an answer for that. So Friday at 10 a.m., if you're watching online, you're welcome to come. There's no ticket fee or anything like that. We would love to have you. If you have your Bible open where we started yesterday, Mark chapter 11. Mark the 11th chapter. The Bible says in verse 20, the next morning as they, the disciples and Jesus, passed by the fig tree that Jesus had cursed. The disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Now think of this. Jesus curses a fig tree. He wanted figs. There were only leaves. Jesus didn't want salad, so he cursed it. And then when they walked by it again, the tree is like visibly dead, like in one day. And so Peter, Peter said, Look, Master, the fig tree that you've cursed has withered from the roots up. Where did it wither from? Yeah, not the outside in, the inside out. And that's where a lot of people lose faith because it it doesn't go outside in, it goes inside out. So they'll pray for something and on the outside it looks exactly the same. And then they say, well, I guess it didn't work. But it it's like if you drink cyanide. For a little bit, you look exactly the same as when you drank it, but something's going on on the inside of you and you're going to die. So when you lose something from the spirit, it doesn't. it's not visible on the outside, but it is working. Now, think of what Jesus could have responded here. He could have said, that's right. I cursed the fig tree because I'm the son of God. You remember that you're just a human being and a disciple and that you can't do that. But he said the exact opposite. One of the most powerful scriptures. This is the kind of scripture that you read when you start coming to church and reading your Bible. And you think, is this real? Like, does this apply to me? Jesus said to the disciples, have faith. So who's the disciples? Well, where are you on Wednesday night? Are we at a club or are we at a church? Everybody say, everybody say, I'm a disciple. So it doesn't say, and this is a a major important separation to understand. It doesn't say Jesus said to the apostles, because really there's no way to dodge the miracles of the Bible. So then what people do is they relegate it to a certain group of people, you know, That was for the first 12 apostles, and then once they died, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says, have Jesus said to the disciples, so he's saying it to me and you, have faith in God, for I tell you the truth. You can say, forget the tree, you can say to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and your command will be obeyed. All that's required is that you really believe it will happen. And do not doubt in your heart. 
Now, if there is a substance that you can have, and there is, it's called faith, and it can move a mountain. And then Jesus said there's one condition for it to work, that you must really believe and not doubt. Then that's very important to get down because that's difficult. When you're praying, you know, if your father is an alcoholic and you're in a service with me, your faith gets built by the Bible. You say, you know what? I'm going to pray that my dad gets delivered from alcoholism. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind alcoholism in my father's life. Then you go home. Your dad's the drunkest you've ever seen him, knocking stuff around the house or the apartment or whatever. And then you're, what would your tendency be? Well, I guess it doesn't work for everybody. Or I guess God's sovereign. No, you don't get moved by what you see. You must really believe. Jesus didn't curse the fig tree and then stand there and go, oh, come on, die now. No, in, in another book, it says that when they came back by it, 24 hours later, it, it had been withered up from the root. So he didn't, he didn't watch to see whether the devil would pack his suitcase or not. He spoke it and believed what he said. If you will believe those things that you say and do not doubt in your heart, you will have whatever you say. 24, I tell you the truth. You can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it shall be yours. 24, I tell you the truth. You can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it shall be yours. If it's possible, can I get Mark chapter 11, verse 23 in the King James Bible? While you're getting it, I'm going to read it one more time in this translation. Mark eleven twenty three. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain. Who can say it? Yeah. When's Jonathan coming back? I'm feeling sick. You don't have to, you don't have to get healed in July and December. You can get healed any time. Amen. You can say to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and your command will be obeyed, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you the truth. You can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it shall be yours. Mark eleven twenty three in the King James for verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say, there say, unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, there says a form of a tense of say again, shall come to pass, he not might have, he shall have whatever he, what? Saith. Jesus mentioned, you know, when you talk about faith, everybody talks about believing, but there's a second part which is speaking. Your faith will never rise higher than the level of your confession. Jesus mentioned saying three times and believing one time because people miss it in their speaking. There's a lady that came for prayer one time for her husband. Actually, this happened twice since we started the church, two different ladies. Can you pray for my husband? Well, the other woman wanted to pray for her son. Will you pray for my son? Now, obviously they believe if they didn't believe, they could have just given me the middle finger and stormed out of the church. Yeah, this, this doesn't work. These people just want your money. For them to come up, I never asked anybody to come up for prayer. For them to come up and say, will you pray so that my son uh, can, can get delivered from heroin? Or the other one, that my husband would be saved. And they believe. So then I prayed. I said, let me see your hands. We, went, we dealt with that last night. Wherever two agree is touching any one thing they ask, they'll have whatever that they've asked. I grabbed their hands. I said, now... In the name of Jesus, I curse this, this alcoholism that's on the husband's life that keeps him out of church and keeps him away from God. I bind it in Jesus' name. Let him be saved and come into the kingdom of God. We thank you for it and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 
When I said amen, the second I said amen, the wife lifted her head up and went, it's just hard because it just seems like he'll never serve the Lord. I thought, lady, I, I actually, you know, I need to do better with self-control and patience and a couple other fruit of the spirit. I said, lady, don't waste my time. I didn't pray like a two out of 10 prayer, four out of 10. You wanted help. I prayed the best I could. And then you're going to undo everything we did. What? I said, you know what I said to her? I said, we haven't even been done praying five seconds. You haven't even checked to see. People go through the motions of faith and religion, and deep down, they don't expect anything to change. Think about it. When Jesus cursed that tree, for Peter to say, Master, the tree that you cursed is actually cursed. What does that show? He, he oh, Jesus is mad. He, you know, I think he doesn't have anything to eat. People don't think this stuff's real. And they don't have any expectation, and that's why they don't see it. Because one of the conditions is, put Mark eleven twenty four back up, that when you pray, if you believe the things that you say, Mark eleven twenty four now, Mark the eleventh chapter, the twenty fourth verse. All right, if you when you pray, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire. So what does it say when you pray? Whatsoever things what. You desire. I was just going to blow through this, and there's so much in here. What, what are you praying for? Well, whatever God wants. That, your, your prayers will never work. What do you want? Whatsoever things you desire. And I've had that here in Hobbs. From the first year I came, there's been people that come up. My son has a problem. Will you pray? You know, those bad stories I've had of people saying a bad confession after, I've never had that one time here. People say thank you, and they receive it, and they come back the next six months when I'm here, and they have their miracle. Can you say amen? So I'm glad I'm not in a room full of people that have unbelief. I'm in a room full of people that have strong faith, and your strong faith is going to produce strong results. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Believe. Uh, let me see in the New Living Translation. It says, believe that you have received them and you shall have them. So everybody say, have received. have received. Not will receive, have received. You know, the first time that you order a package on Amazon, you refresh it all the time to see where it's at. Still in the, it's still at the shipping destination, not out for delivery yet, now out for delivery, may be here by 5 p.m. But after you've ordered about your thousandth package on Amazon, you, stuff starts showing up at your door and you forget that you even ordered it because you have so much confidence in Amazon's delivery system that the second you place the order, you, it, it's, you're done with it in your mind. Why would you have more confidence in Jeff Bezos' company than you would an almighty God? I'm telling you, the same way you do with Amazon, you can put something in God's hands, thank Him for it, forget about it, and it'll come on your doorstep in Jesus' name. The first two verses... Of, uh, that we read, Mark 11, 22 and 23, deal with faith. And then Jesus brings another thing into the equation in verse 24, prayer. Prayer is one of the primary release points of faith. Think of it like this. Faith is like the bullets in the gun. And then prayer is the trigger. So you can have 1,100 rounds of ammunition, but if somebody breaks into your home, you having 1,100 rounds of ammunition doesn't deter them. You have to load it into a weapon. What a terrible church analogy. What the, what the evangelist preached on tonight? Oh, how to murder somebody. Having, well, since we're in it, might as well finish it. 
Having the 1,100 bullets doesn't do anything. Once you load those bullets into a weapon, and then having it in a weapon doesn't matter. There's Christians, you know, and you think I'm just joking around. There's Christians that are confused as to why they don't have victory. I have a Bible. I go to church. You have a clip and a gun. But until you pray and release the faith that you have, there's no chance. Jesus didn't walk by the tree and it withered. Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat figs from you again. You can curse something in the spirit and your curse will take place. You can bless something in the spirit and the blessing will start to work. I'm a product of that. We just buried my 91-year-old grandma a couple weeks ago. She blessed us. She prayed for us one hour every day. No wonder people are dropping off jets. No wonder some pastor in New Mexico that was going to leave Tampa because Pastor Rodney wasn't speaking, saw me, and not only didn't leave, said, I'm going to have him come preach at my church. That's a grace. I'm preaching these things, not so you can hear how I know a lot about faith. It only takes one person in a family. You know, some of you had a praying grandma. Some of you didn't. But some of you had a praying grandma or a praying grandfather. They're dead or old now. Who's going to be the new person in the family that's going to be the rescuer of that family? Because they know the word. They know how to act on the word. And instead of your house being full of curse, your house is full of miracles. I'm telling you who the people are going to be. The ones I'm looking at right now. There is strong faith coming into your spirit and you're going to do great and mighty things for God in Jesus mighty name so the trigger of the gun is prayer that's not the only way to release faith but the primary way I would say that faith is released people say it's by your confession and I would say it would be housed in the confession in prayer the Bible says I'll show it to you turn to John chapter or uh, James chapter 5 James, the fifth chapter. I feel like a third of you are just pretending you know where James is. Turning pages. Somebody's not even holding a Bible. They have like a reader's digest. James chapter five. You know what? While we're in James, might as well read James chapter one too. It's pretty good. James chapter one. If you would put the scriptures up in the King James in case they butcher it in this translation. James, the first chapter, and the fifth verse. They're going to butcher it. I'm going to read it in the King James. Here, let me swap you. James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without reproach. How does God give? Liberally. liberally. He's a big giver. And then what does without reproach means? It means he'll never get sick of you asking him for help. Um, are you praying again? Weren't you in church last night? How many miracles do you want? That's not God. That's religion. Religion tries to make you feel bad for desiring things from God. But anytime you desire something from God, what does that show? It shows faith. You're not at the bank tonight trying to get a loan or a car title loan or trying to get help. You're not at a clinic. If you're here tonight and you're sick, you went to, you didn't say, well, I'm sick. I can't come to church. You came to church to get healed. So what does that show? Faith. And what does faith do? Pleases God. So anytime, the Bible says, anytime that you ask from God, he will give to you liberally and without reproach. So anytime you hear somebody say, well, we ask, but whether God does it or not, we understand. That's somebody that at best does not understand the Bible. They don't understand God. God does not withhold. The Bible says, if you ask of God, he gives to how many men li uh, liberally? James 1.5. 
All men. Everybody say, that's me. He gives to all men liberally and does not rebuke them. And it shall be given to him. People think God rebukes you. You ever hear somebody pray and they go into a big explanation? Now, God, I know I've, I know I've done a lot wrong and I've been a drinker and I divorced my wife and I haven't been the best father, but if you'll help me. You don't have to go into a preamble. God's not angry with you. He loves you. You can ask him and he won't rebuke you. If you're glad that God's a God of love, can you say amen? amen. And it will be given to him. But let Say that with me. It will be given to him. What you ask God for will be given to you. I told, I'm, let me just tell you some like little things that just escaped out of my mouth that I, I wasn't even putting any thought in. It's not like I prayed in tongues and was going like this. My wife and I flew to Las Vegas two years ago around December. Our flight was canceled the day before. They rescheduled it. We flew. We landed at McCarran Airport. And then there's like an hour and a half wait to get into um, the rental car shuttle, and then and you wait for your bags. It's a long day from Pittsburgh. So all I did was once we rented our car, after that eight hour, from the time we came to the Pittsburgh airport to get padded down, to land, to rental car shuttle and all that, we drove by the private airport. It's called an FBO, fixed base operation. And I said to her, one day, we won't fly commercial. We'll fly our own plane and land at that FBO. That just came, I mean, I probably said it because I was tired. I never thought another thing about it. And then the next year when we went to take that vacation, the company that we chartered planes from said, if you want to take a personal trip, you're my number one client. Nobody's chartered more planes. I'll hook you up if you want. I said, how much? I could afford it. I took it. And I never thought about it. But as we were landing at the exact FBO that I had pointed at, and when I said that, I actually thought, well, that's crazy. And then the second thought I had was, if that happens, it'll be like when I'm an old man, Camille will be 45 with her husband and ha have like a grown kid, honest to God. And the next year, we touched down at that exact FBO. You know what's interesting too? There's multiple FBOs around Las Vegas because there's a ton of business going down there. So I didn't pick which one we landed at. They picked and it happened to be the exact one that I pointed at. You know, I'm not, if I'm careful, I'm, I am going to get into it, but I'm not preaching on confession tonight. But you'd be amazed. Some of you, all you ever heard your parents say or your grandparents or still in your house or you personally, or your wife. Everything's negative. Nothing ever works out. They probably won't hire me. The Democrats are in charge. I don't like the president. Something's going wrong. Everything's negative. If you'll start putting faith in your heart, you can't just change what you say. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In fact, I would wager that if anybody came here from Sunday night till now, you've already caught yourself saying different things. You can't sit in a seat and have two hours of Bible preached into your spirit every night and it not start to change the things that you say. Can you say amen? My, my prayer and my hope for tonight is that people leave this place and their children hear their mother say something different than they heard growing up. They say things like, I know God's making a way where there is no way. I see doors coming open. I see God opening doors that the devil has shut. I see God making every crooked path straight. God will do miracles for you if he can find somebody that'll believe his word, speak his word. You can have what the Bible says. If that's going to be you tonight, go ahead and do what you're already doing. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. 
Say that one more time. It will be given to him. God always spoke in prayer in absolute. Ask, don't doubt, and it will be given to you. Not, not difficult. So how come at the church I grew up in, every time they prayed for something, they ended it with, uh, you know, um, Father, you see all the names that are on the prayer list. We ask you to heal them. We know that you're able to heal them. But if it not be thy will, where'd you get that part from? You'd almost think the way people pray that a pastor can be sued for praying for someone and them not getting healed. It's like they wanted to say something. Well, I never said they could heal. I just prayed and then I left it open-ended. God said he'll give you the thing that you ask for. Say one more time. It will be given him. So if it says it will be, and then the Bible says, uh, what was Mark eleven twenty four again? Can I get that up on the screen? King James, I tell you, when you pray, believe that you have received. Well, if it be thy will, it's not believing you've received the thing you pray. That's why I'm not sure whether it's going to work out or not. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, not hope that you, that you might receive it, believe that you have received them. What's them? The thing that you've desired. And it will be yours. I preached a message at our home church. Um, there's a, a Pentecostal scholar. His name was Finnis Dake. And he wrote a Bible called the Dake Annotated Reference Bible. And uh, he has a note in Mark chapter 9. A man brought his son who was deaf and mute and suffered from seizures to Jesus. And he told about all the things the devil had done to his son. My son's uh, possessed by an evil spirit. He has seizures. It's often tried to kill him. Then when it came time to say something positive to Jesus, he said, do something and help us if you can. Everybody say if. That word ticked Jesus off. You know, when you read the Bible, Jesus is nothing like they make him out to be. He was always kind and loved his neighbor. Jesus flipped tables over, hit people with whips. I'm telling you, if you read the real Jesus, you'd be more interested in coming to church. Amen. And so when that guy said, if, in fact, you're going to see it all the time. Jesus was always very pleased when someone had faith and very displeased when someone had unbelief. If it, but do something and help us if you can. Mark 9, 22. Mark 9, 23. Jesus replied, what do you mean if I can? Ticked him off. What do you mean if I can? All things are possible to him who believes. Now, Matthew 19, 26 says, humanly speaking, things are impossible, but never with God, for with God, all things are possible. People like that scripture a little better because it takes you out of the equation. Devil makes things bad. God can do something about it. But then Jesus took that a step further in Mark 9, 23. What do you mean if I can? All things are possible to him who? Then the father replied that if most people were honest, what they would say. I do believe, but help my unbelief. Did you ever hear that story Jesus told? about faith, if it be as small as a grain of mustard seed, is powerful enough to move a mountain. 
Well, when I grew up, they'd say, see, all you need is a little bit of faith. That's not what he was saying. The Bible doesn't tell you repeatedly to grow your faith. to doesn't say all you need is a mustard seed amount of faith. What Jesus was telling the disciples is, you think you need more faith, but you actually have faith. But it's so coated in unbelief that it contaminates it and takes it out. But if you'd have faith removed from unbelief, like, like uranium, a mustard seed amount is enough to blow a mountain off the thing. So now, what, what day is today? December what? 13th. We're 12 days before Christmas. You're not going to tell me that anybody's sitting here and doesn't have any faith. Who? Preachers don't go to church. Preachers are off like, like for the rest of the year, except for me and Pastor Dean. Everybody else is on vacation. Preachers are not even in church right now. You're in church 12 days before Christmas. I wouldn't believe you if you told me you didn't have any. I don't really have any faith. Bull crap. You wouldn't be here. Sorry, I, didn't, I forgot we're in church. Horse crap. You, you'd, you'd, be out, you'd be out somewhere else. You, you'd, you'd have driven to Lubbock or Midland and shopped, whatever. So it's not people think they have a problem that they don't believe, but they're like the father. They believe. No, I believe God can heal my son. But the doctor in Lubbock said that it's the worst case of blank, blank, blank he's ever seen. So you believe God can do it, but you also believe that disease is going to cause a bit of a problem. But if you'll put your doubts under your feet and rise your faith to the top, there's no challenge that you and your family are facing tonight that can't be destroyed by faith in the word of God. So I preached a message entitled, because it's finished Dake's note underneath that story. If, this is the title, if the language of unbelief, and he talks about how if, now you notice God never said if, I might pray, I might answer your prayer, you might have, if, if it be thy will, Lord, if it be thy will, if the language of unbelief. And so the next week, Adonis and I and Camila were in Arizona, this was two years ago, and I, um, I, I just happened to say, just like I made the FBO remark, or maybe we'll land here in a private plane. I said, Adalas, wouldn't it be awesome if God gave us our own home in Arizona so we wouldn't have to keep staying at, I mean, the amount of money we're spending at the resort, we might, you know, might as well just get our own home. Wouldn't it be great if God gave us a home here? When I said, wouldn't it be great if God gave us a home here, the Wednesday before was when I preached that message. From her car seat, Camila looking at her iPad went, if... The language of unbelief. It convicted me. It really like hit me. So I, you know, I wanted to yell at her, but she was right. And so I said, well, what should I have said, Camila? Without looking up, she went, I would just say, thank you, God, for a house in Arizona. You know what that's called? See, if I was a normal parent, I'd say, yeah, easy for you to say. You don't even know how much houses cost in Scottsdale. Yeah, that's called childlike faith. And when you get older, you actually know too much about how hard things are to do. But when you're seven or eight, all you know is there's a God that parted the Red Sea, that opens the eyes of the blind, and will do anything that you ask him to do. Can you say amen? It will be given to him. But then here's a caveat. Verse 6, same as Mark 11. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. How much doubting does God permit? None, or it wrecks the whole thing. Lord, we know you can heal, but if it not be thy will, 
You just wasted time. You sweat your suit up for no reason. You ruined the whole thing. You put salt into the cake mix. You ruined it. There must be no doubt. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. Boy, that's strong language. Let not that man expect, that man will receive less from the Lord. No, let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's terrible. So that means there's actually a way to behave, the Bible says, where you can expect not to receive anything from the Lord. How? If you doubt. Turn to Mark chapter 6. Swap me again. We'll be teammates tonight. Mark the 6th chapter. Mark 6, 1. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed, but not the good kind of amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Because for the first 30 years, Jesus didn't do his ministry. He worked as a carpenter. So now he's in his hometown and the people are going, it'd be like if you said you're the Messiah. Oh, give me a break. I mean, for you, it would be stupid. But for Jesus, he, was the, he is the Messiah. So now he's the Messiah. There's people going, oh, he's the Messiah? I played Little League with him. He was in my grade school. I graduated Nazareth High School with him. He worked carpentry with me. Last year, I built a bookshelf for Bob with Jesus. Now he's telling everybody he's the Messiah? And they said... Where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. I won't take a show of hands. Almost nobody came here tonight and didn't have to endure some type of scoffing. Where are you going, church? You didn't go there already this week. I don't think you need to go to church that much. They scoffed. He's just a carpenter the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. If you pay attention to this, and I know everybody's paying attention, I'm just saying, if you pay attention to this, that's the same trick. The devil has no new tricks. If you go to step out after tonight and and walk the walk of faith, the way the devil will try to trip you up is remind you of your past and your humanity. You've been ranch and now you go see some guy down in New Mexico and you think you're Jesus' little brother now. That's how how people talk. Oh, you go to church, you went Sunday, uh, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and now you think you're Billy Graham. That's how your family will talk to you. This is Jesus' actual own family talking to him when you read it. So the devil can't stop the power of faith in the word of God. So he can only get you to be ashamed of it. Who do you think you are? Or feel like, yeah, who who am I? I mean, I guess maybe I got a little wound up. But when you read the Bible, God didn't use people that had halos over their heads. I know they paint them that way, but they were regular people. In fact, if I could get to my text I wanted to read instead of being undisciplined and jumping all over the Bible, 
When you go home tonight, the people say, what, what, what did the preacher preach on? You say, I'd be quicker to tell you what he didn't preach on. <laughs> the Bible goes out of its way to tell you in James chapter 5 that Elijah was as human as we are. In the King James, a man subject to like passions. If you read the Bible, the men and women in there, they got sad. They were hurt. They, were, they got angry. Moses beat. You think you have an anger problem? Moses beat a man to death and buried him in the sand. Now that's an anger problem. I mean, the more you read people in the Bible, the more you feel qualified to serve the Lord because it was bozo central in there. All kinds of mistakes. So it's not your flesh. The Bible actually says that no man will glory in his presence. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to the end of the chapter. It says that God, remember dear brethren, that not many of you were wise or wealthy or powerful when the Lord called you. Instead, the Lord deliberately chose things the world calls foolish in order to shame those who are powerful. Next sentence. That no man can ever glory in his presence. Now, I told you when I was preaching at my church in Pittsburgh, a lady with white hair, old lady, stood up, stood up and interrupted me. But I guess when you're old, you can do whatever you want. She went, are you the same Jonathan? They went to church in Houston, Pennsylvania at Central Assembly of God when you were a boy. I said, yeah. She said, how? I said, what do you mean? She said, you had a speech impediment. You had braces on your legs. How can you talk? She said, I helped you in speech therapy. You, you couldn't even speak. Now you're preaching. So when that happens, when a lady that knew you when you were young and now sees you doing this says, that's not possible, who gets the glory? God, God is going to receive great glory from your life because everybody will know he doesn't have the power to do that. She doesn't have the power to do that. But God is working mightily through you and he receives the glory. So every time you think I'm not qualified, God's up in heaven going, exactly. <laughs> Did anybody ever hear of the pastor, Young E. Cho from Seoul, South Korea? He built, at the time, the largest church in the world. Like when, when 2000 was a mega church, he built a church that had over a million members. 50,000 seater. They had like five services on Sunday. They would ask people that came that Sunday to stay home the next Sunday so more other people could come because they couldn't fit everybody in. So one time when the Lord told him to believe for a million people, he said, I don't know how to do it. And the Lord spoke back to him. That's exactly why I use you. Because you're not smart enough to try to figure anything out. Oh, yeah. God actually has a hard time using people that exalt their intellect. We're not preaching for you to be stupid. But when people, oh, God, how can that happen? How will we get the money? It's not your job to figure it out. It's only your job to believe that the things that God said, he'll perform on your behalf. Can you say amen? And they mocked and scoffed at Jesus. Like you'll get scoffed at. Where did he get all this power all of a sudden? And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he could not, not he would not, 
Now, all right, you're going to say that kind of stuff, then I'm not doing any miracles. No, he ministered to people, but was unable, Jesus was unable to do any mighty miracles there because of their unbelief, except to lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. So what do you say if you're the type of person that says, well, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. Actually, if God can't find someone that will cooperate with him with their faith, then there's things he wants to do that he's not able to do. And I know somebody's going to clip this and put it on that I said, he said that God's unable to do things if people don't have faith. On the earth, he is. Why do you think it says, whatever dummies watching me online, I know I'm arguing with somebody with Cheeto crumbs on your bare chest. Put a shirt on, sir. What do you say? Why do you think Jesus said in Matthew 6, pray that my father's will be done where? As it is where? There's no demons in heaven. There's no dummies in heaven. There's no people to goof anything up in heaven. One of the things that makes it heaven is the absence of stupid people. Can you say amen? Nobody's driving 20 miles an hour in the left lane. That's heaven. But down here, there are dumb people. There's angry people. There's people. We both know it. As this church grows and outgrows this building, if Pastor Dean and the family in this church go to acquire a big swath of land and there's no reason to not get it permanent, it's just an empty, vacant lot, they build a building that can seat 1,600 people. There's no reason to not build it. They'll approve every other kind of building, but there'll be somebody on the city council that says, as long as I'm on this city council, there doesn't need to be a church that big. We need the tax revenue from that, and they'll make it their business to stop it. So God's will is always done in heaven, but there's people that try to prevent it on earth. How do you overcome the obstacles of what's trying to prevent the will of God in your life? Faith, whatever is born of God, overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. That's why I'm preaching faith to you. Faith is the substance that God puts on the inside of a man, the inside of a woman, that no matter what the obstacle is, there's power in you to not be overcome by evil but to overcome evil with good that faith is coming alive in your spirit today in Jesus mighty name if you believe it can you shout aloud amen somebody say I have faith turn to um, Luke 18 Luke the 18th chapter One day, verse 1, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. In the Amplified Bible, if I remember right, I don't know if you guys can put Amplified on the screen. I think it says, turn coward and quit. People don't talk like that. How come you don't go to church anymore? I turned coward and quit, but that's what they did. Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they had always prayed. Yeah, that's what it says. And not to turn coward, faint, lose heart, and give up. Now remember that. Turn coward, faint, lose heart, and give up. 
Because when we finish this story, Jesus says, when I return, how, how many on the earth will I find who have faith? So what does that tell you? That there's going to be an outbreak of people who turn coward, faint, lose heart, and give up and quit. But it won't be you. The reason you were tired this afternoon, but I'm not going to church, and then something on the inside went, yes, you are, <laughs> is because God's positioning you here ahead of time to receive faith. That when you see other people in your generation turn coward, give up and quit, faint along the way, you're going to continue to go stronger and go from glory to glory, victory to victory, and strength to strength. There was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God and I don't care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. Sounds like a country song. I'm going to see that she gets justice. Because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Then Jesus said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Everybody say persistence. persistence. Well, I was believing for that, but it didn't work out. No, you quit. You learn a lesson from the widow. There was a judge who didn't fear God and didn't care about people. She didn't have any high-priced lawyer. She just kept pestering him. Finally, he said, I don't like this lady, and I don't care about God, but I'm going to give her justice just to get some peace. Then Jesus said, your father in heaven does love you. So if that unjust judge gave her justice, how much more will your heavenly father give justice and quickly to those who ask? I tell you, he'll grant them justice and quickly. Everybody say quickly. quickly. I don't hang around with uh, it might take 15 years crowd. I know a man who was believing for something when he was 25. And when he was 83 on his deathbed, he saw it. Come, okay, if you want that, knock yourself out. It didn't just say that the judge will, that God will give justice. It says quickly. I mean, I said that 11 months before. One day we'll land at this airport. And the next year I was landing at the airport. I said on a broadcast this year, if you asked me, I said, for the first time in my life, I have a personal goal. I never had a personal goal, only ministry goals. I said, I'd like a plane that I can use for personal use to swing out west. You know, I like it. I, I know you guys are probably sick of the terrain. Everybody wants to go somewhere on vacation different from where they live. You want to go to the beach because there's no beach here. Then you meet people in Hawaii. They all come to Las Vegas. They like the desert where you live. People just want to go different places than where they live. And out here is way different from where I live in Pennsylvania. But in fact, it's so different. What they call Mexican food in Pennsylvania, you should be arrested and put in federal prison for calling it Mexican food. That food's Mexican food as much as I'm a spaceman. I told the guy. I, you know, it's a wonder I didn't get a fight in a fight in the restaurant. I ordered um, queso in Pennsylvania when I came home from here because I was enjoying it here so much. And they brought me out cheese whiz, heated up. These were Mexicans. And I said to him, I said, Adonis, translate for him. She wanted to translate, so I just did my best. I said, shame on you. You know this isn't queso. This is white people cheese whiz. 
Anyone like this? Lo siento. I, you know, like he knew. He knew he's lying to me. Queso. This is cheese whiz. This is white people welfare food. Shame on you. You can put a little Mexican flag with a toothpick in there. It's still cheese whiz. I said, I have a goal. I'd like to go. When I go out to the desert, I'd like to be able to have my own plane to use. I said that in April and the plane came in October. You never notice anytime you go to say something negative, there's nothing that checks you. If you want to say, man, I, I think I might get fired. Nothing says that. Don't say that. But then anytime you go to say something positive, I believe we could start our own business, you and I, and God would make it the top business in, in, in this whole area. As soon as you think the thought, don't say it. You know what actually people will teach? Now, I'm telling you out of the Bible how things work. But you know what people actually think? If you go to say something positive, you'll have someone say, don't, don't what it, don't, don't jinx it. What verse is that in the Bible? And Jabez said, Lord, increase me and enlarge my territory. And God replied, shh, don't jinx it. Death and life is in the power of the... How come you feel no restraint anytime you get to say something bad, but when you go to say something good, you feel something check you? The devil knows that if you keep those bullets in the gun unfired, he's fine. But if you start opening up your mouth and letting those bullets fly, he's in for a major problem. So I want to encourage you tonight. Do the thing the devil doesn't want you to do. Open up your mouth and declare, I'm going to have what God said is mine. I'm going to taste of the goodness of God while I'm yet in the land of the living and there's nothing the devil can do about it. Go ahead and celebrate it. Tonight is a night of breakthrough. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Say it so the devil can hear you. Say I can have what the Bible says is mine. I tell you he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, that's soon, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? In the last days, there'll be a famine of faith. The Bible says it like this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. They'll have a form of godliness, but deny the power. Deny the power. You know what deny the power means? How can you as a minister stand up and tell people that miracles don't exist anymore? That's called denying the power. The power of God has never left the earth ever and never will. Even in the tribulation, there'll be 12,000 Jewish evangelists from every tribe. That, I mean, Elijah and Enoch will come and be slain and rise back up. What era in the Bible was there no power for miracles? Now, if somebody believed that at the bar down the road that I pass on the way to the hotel, I don't believe in miracles. That's fine. But if you're a minister, that's like being a financial advisor that says, I don't believe in the stock market. What do you mean? You don't believe it's a good investment? I don't believe it exists anymore. Well, it does. I think you're a false uh, investor. I could show it to you on my phone. I, I have stocks right now in there. I don't believe it. I believe it died with the last apostle. 
It is just as asinine for a preacher to tell people that God, or to tell them that God can do that, but it's up to him. It is up to him. But in being up to him, he wrote in the word exactly how he works. That if you call on me, doubting nothing, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. When I come back to the earth, how many will I find that have real faith? Everybody say, me. So you make up your mind on a night like tonight. I live in this world. But I'm not going to be like the rest of them. I'm not saying you got to rebuke your mother or your grandmother. They say, I, I feel like I'm going to die. Don't you say that. I'm not talking about that. You can't control other, other people. But you can control you. And you make up your mind. I'm not saying one negative thing. If death and life is in my tongue, I'm not speaking death over my marriage. I'm not speaking death over my children. I'm not, why in the world am I going to sit Camila aside at 10 years old and go, man, you ain't the air paying the heat on this place one day. She's 10. Let them be 10. Why did some of our parents think it was their job to let you know life's not going to be fun? You're going to go out there. One day you'll be married. One day you'll have insurance. One day you'll be paying a mortgage. One day you're going to have a car to fix. You see, life's not so fun anymore. Listen, I'm sorry your life sucks. But who made you an evangelist of sucky lives? To go around and tell everybody how hard it is, it's hard being married, have hard having children. I'm going to tell you, if you don't know Jesus Christ and you don't know his word, it's not just hard to live. It's not just hard to be married successfully. It's not just hard to, to, to raise children. It is impossible in this last hour of time with the demonic attack against families and men and your mind and depression. It's not hard. It's impossible. But I'm not in that boat. I found Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm in covenant with God. I've got a different covenant. I've got a covenant over my marriage. I've got a covenant over my children. I've got a covenant over my health. I can have what the Bible says belongs to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. James chapter 5. What pulls the trigger on the bullets on the gun? Now that you're sufficiently fired up, what do you do? How do you put one in the chamber and let it rip? Prayer is the primary gun. I'm going to show you right here. James chapter 5. Verse 13. Are any among you suffering hardships? You should what? How do you get out of hardship? Pray. Not at, what is it? Let, let's read it. Are any of you suffering hardship? Does it say you should ask for prayer or you should pray? You should pray. I agreed with you in prayer last night. I'll pray for you tonight. But eventually, you have to learn to do your own praying. Because really, genuinely, just like I can't lift weights for you and you can't lift weights for me, if you could, I'd pay somebody. I'd pay somebody a full-time salary if, you, if they could go to the gym for me, work out, and I get the benefit. I'm telling you, I'd pay them, I'd pay them whatever they want. I hired a personal trainer, did my best, and anytime she'd say, how'd you like to work out today? I said, I like it the same as every day. I hate it. I would never come here again if I, 
could just magically be in shape like I was for the first 30 years of my life. You can't lift weights for me. I can't lift weights for you. And the truth is, when it comes down to it, I can, I can agree in prayer with you. I can pray for you. But eventually, you have to learn how to do your own praying. Can you say amen? amen? That's why so many pastors are so blessed. It's like Pastor Dean. He's, he's visibly blessed. You don't see men at his age dressed sharp like him. Where's, where's his uh, padded Velcro sneakers? I'm telling you, you don't be, he's dressed like, dressed like a 40-year-old. Nice clothes. Not some zip-up thing with oatmeal stains on it. Everybody say blessed. Yeah. Well, why does he have a blessing like that? You know, go, he's, I won't tell where he's going. They're, they're taking a trip as a family next week. It's a walking trip. It's a trip. I don't know if I could do it at 43. They're going to go walk all over the place. He didn't, he's not going to stay in the hotel and go, have fun. Yeah, you want to have any yogurt? <laughs> he's going right with them, so with, with his wife, Pastor Kathy. Why do you see ministers operate in that kind of Jesse Duplantis? He's you know, 75. He doesn't act or walk or anything like it. Why? Because one of the reasons is so many people ask them for prayer, and they pray. They're praying all the time, praying for you. And so they get the blessing from it. And the person they pray for gets it for a little bit, but they're always the one praying. They're always the one studying the word. And they get a benefit from it that helps them. That's not a benefit for ministers. That's a benefit for anybody that wants to devour the word and spend time in prayer. The Bible says when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he that prays in an unknown tongue speaks mysteries unto man, but speaks directly to God. What's the next line? And what? edifies himself, builds himself up. When you pray, prayer doesn't only change things, prayer changes you. Everybody say, prayer changes things. And prayer changes me. I don't know why people think you have to pick one of the two. Many times we, how many of you have heard something like this? Many times when we pray, we want the thing to change, but God wants us to change. Well, I'll defer to Jesus. What did he say? He didn't say, many of you want this mountain to move, but I want you to change. He said, you can pray. And Jesus taught prayer as something that affects physical change. He cursed the fig tree and it withered. Then he said, I tell you, you can say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and your command will be obeyed. Did he say that or not? So prayer is something to change. What does it mean? Move a mountain. We trying to get Pikes Peak from Colorado moved over to Ohio? No. He's talking about immovable things that are in life. That in the natural have no chance of going away. You can speak to that thing and command it to go. And it will obey your command. All that's required is that you, man, I can feel faith in this room right now. I don't feel any resistance. The people of Hobbes know their God. The people of Hobbes have faith. And I'm telling you, your faith is going to have proof tonight in Jesus' mighty name. One more time, shout aloud, hallelujah. hallelujah. Somebody say, I have faith. I have you know what you should say when you feel like you don't have faith? You should lift your hands and say, thank you, Father, I have faith. The Bible says to every man has been dealt a measure, the measure of faith. I got faith. I have faith. I'm not trying to get faith. I have it. You're getting more tonight because faith comes from hearing what? 
So if you came in here and I don't have any faith, you got about 47 minutes worth because I preach 47 minutes into your spirit. When you have faith, that makes you different. Let me tell you something right now. I'm not trying to be crude or anything, but I'm making a point. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What am I, Most people, if their motorcycle slips in the rain and they're going to go down and eat it at 50 miles an hour, what do they say? F me. That's what people say. Eh, just curse their own life. Eh, blank me. They'll curse. The thing that comes out of their mouth in the time of trouble is a curse. Imagine the difference if instead of cursing yourself, you say, Jesus, deliver me. I'm telling you, that's the change. Some of you, your own battle has been your own mouth. But God's going to put a new tongue in your mouth that doesn't curse you. It blesses you. Are any among you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing. Are any of you sick? I have a question. Why is there a different instruction for people that are sick from people that are suffering? Because this is where people get screwed up in other churches. Well, that preacher said that we're to pray when we're sick and God will heal us. But the Bible says to endure suffering. The Bible says that suffering is a part of the Christian life. Sickness and suffering, though we use them interchangeably in our language, they're not the same in the Bible. Do you know what suffering is? Suffering is the mayor calling pastor, or the governor of New Mexico calling Pastor Dean and telling him there's going to be legal consequences if he doesn't shut the church down. You can't command her to go away. You, 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 can't, you can't make her disappear. She's a human being. The Bible says to endure suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. When the police came to my uncle's church in Virginia Beach and said, Reverend, if you're having church tomorrow, by orders of the governor, we're going to arrest you. That's called suffering. He was ready to go to jail the next week. They never came back. But for Pastor Rodney, they did come and arrested him. That's called suffering. Nobody, it's not just the going to jail. Pastor Rodney told me, you're the only preacher Who's returned my phone calls since I've been arrested? For the first three, everybody went missing. Everybody went quiet. And a lot of people that talk about keeping their church open now, they didn't keep their church open. If you scroll, scroll back to May 30, to March, if you want to know what a person really is when the rubber hits the road, go on their Instagram and scroll back to March 30th, 2020. March 13th. At this time, we are making the decision to stay, to, that the best thing we can do as a church is to stay safe, Save lives. I had a guy telling me, you know, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you can spot a liar a mile away. I was sitting in a room with a bunch of preachers. This guy's talking about how the COVID thing's all, all garbage. We should all kept our churches open. And as he's talking, I just went, I said, do you have an Instagram? He said, yeah. And I just heard his... March 17th or whatever. I hit it and I went, is this you? Hi, church family. At this time, we've come to the conclusion that we're dealing with a novel, a novel virus. What does that mean? Like a book virus? We're dealing with a virus from a large book. But the board and I have decided that at this time, it's best. I played for him. His face got red. Well, yeah, yeah well, nothing. Quit lying. Can you say, man, just say you screwed up and apologize. 
Don't act like you're Rambo when you didn't go to Vietnam. Amen. That's suffering. Suffering is your boss telling you when you give your life to the Lord this week or, or tonight. I got to go to church on Sunday. If you go to church, then, then you're not going to have a job here. That's called suffering. When you get threatened to lose your income to serve the Lord. You know, if people that kept their church open during COVID, you got death threats. We had to take at my ministry. <laughs> they, they put it in international news, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I didn't think anybody was watching my YouTube. And I said, I said, if the devil wants cl churches closed for Easter, then I'm going to take that as a sign that we should just do the, op do the opposite of what the devil says. Let's have the biggest Easter service that we've ever had. I said, people are going to come in from all over America. It'll be like Woodstock. The next morning, it was in the front page news at the major newspapers in England and America, overseas, Pennsylvania pastor. I guess they were prophesying because I wasn't a pastor yet. Pennsylvania pastor announces Woodstock-like service. My mother got a phone call. You know you raised a bad kid when you're getting phone calls and your son's 40. They called. They said, can I speak to Jonathan Shuttlesworth? She said, he's not home or he's not here. They said, when's he going to get there? She said, I don't know. She, they said, why don't you know? She said, he doesn't live here. He's 40. So when they announced we were going to keep our church open, uh, they're going to kill everybody. They're going to have an Easter service. Everyone's going to die. We, we had so many people call our office threatening to kill me that we just took the phones off the hook for three days. First of all, why does anyone call to kill you? That's what I was thinking while they were calling. What do you want me to say when I answer the phone? We're going to kill you. Okay, I have a Tuesday at 11 a.m. And then if you need something later in the week, I have a Friday at 3 p.m. You know what's amazing? God puts such a grace on your life when you live for him. It was only after all that stuff went away that I thought, geez, we really like made some crazy decisions. At the time, we were just having fun. We would check the news at night, mocking people. That joke that I just made to you, that joke that I made to you, that's what was going through my mind. People were, I'm going to kill you, preacher. I think, okay, do you want me to schedule you? That's what I was thinking. When they were saying, I think, oh my God, we're going to die. I was thinking, how crazy is it that this guy's calling to kill me? Then you know what the second thing I thought was that kept me happy? No one that actually kills you phones ahead. Does the Matamoros drug cartel call before they kill? <laughs> or do you just die? Yeah, you go to a red light and two cars box you in and you go to see Jesus. So that was the second thing I thought. I thought any one of these people that are calling, I automatically know they're not going to kill me because they wouldn't phone ahead. And I had total peace. I ate. I, I had a great time with Adonis and Camila. We got through that because there are sufferings for serving God. You know, when people say it's hard to be a Christian because they're suffering, has anybody ever not been a Christian? Anybody? Be honest. Have you ever for any period of time not served the Lord? Was there suffering then? So they're suffering either way. But the difference is, when you don't know the Lord, there's nothing to overcome it with. But when you know the Lord, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. I'm not dead. I'm alive. Pastor Dean's church isn't shut down. It's exploding because you can endure suffering.
suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Are any among you suffering? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing. Are any of you sick? Doesn't say you should pray. It gives you a different instruction. Doesn't say to endure it. Pray it. Bully. You should call on the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And that prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. If it be his will. No. God's word is his will. We have to remember, Jonathan, ultimately it's up to God's will. I just read you what his will is. Can you imagine going to uh, your grandma dies and, and, and she had money and, and you go to the reading of the will to find out what everybody gets and they tell you you're going to get left $17,000 and um, a car and you say, if it be her will. And they go, no, it's in her, this is her will. I know, but ultimately, it's up to my grandma. Yeah, she... she the gr- Clean the freaking wax out of your ears. This, why do they call it the New Testament? It's God, what do they call it when your grandma does? Her last will and testament. This is the will and testament of Jesus Christ that was ratified with his blood. I don't have to wonder what his will is. He told me what his will is. He didn't leave me a car. He left me healing. He left me peace. He left me joy. He left me answered prayer. He left me an abundance of blessing that can never run dry. Hallelujah. He left me healthy children. He left me no plague shall come near your dwelling. For I order my angels to protect you wherever you go. Hallelujah. I'm telling you. That angel came to my room when I was eight years old. Jonathan, God has reserved you for this last period of time to be an evangelist. To call men and women that are now in darkness into the light for soon it will be eternally too late. Do you understand? I said yes with a speech impediment. But the speech impediment had to clear out. When those people were threatening my life, I thought they didn't say anything about me dying at 43. I know I have plenty of work left to do. Good luck killing me. You can't take me out. I have a destiny that God's given me. My life's not in your hands. My life's in God's hands. And the God that started me out is going to take me the rest of the way. And there's not a thing the devil can do about it. The devil might not like it, but he can't stop it. Will. Whatever his will is. Here it is. You can buy one at Walmart for $9, genius. Lord, whatever thy will be, read. Read the Bible. Talking to preachers. Whatever be thy will. You know what your will is. I know what your will is. How do I know that I'm not to die at 43? I can't die. I'm not saying the people that do it different than me are wrong. I don't pray when I get on my plane. Lord, keep me safe. With long life will I satisfy you is what it says. So what's to pray about? I have long life from the word. I believe it and I receive it. I'm not trying to get it. Lord, I ask you to keep me safe. 
He already said he'd keep me safe. I believe you. With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. My angels will protect you wherever you go. I don't have to ask. They're, already, they're there whether I want them there or not. You won't even hurt your foot on a stone. What about health? The Bible says as your days are. I mean, no, we all get older and things don't start not working right. What Bible verse is that? Somebody should duct tape that preacher's mouth shut. Because they're wrong. Putting question marks in people's minds about what God clearly said. Does it say, I mean, no, as we get older, certain things don't work the way they used to. What about you? The way you talk, you'll be in a coffin by next Tuesday. Death and life's in the power of the tongue. Why would you use your mouth to say stupid things like that? Why would you talk like, like you're on, you're on a, a medication commercial on The Price is Right? Are you over the age of 50? Your prostate might be enlarged. Sh- shut up. What business is it of yours? Trying to watch TV. Shut up. Are you a man over the age of 50? Shut up. Start telling your own TV to shut up instead of thinking about what they're trying to get you to think about. One in three of us will battle depression. Well, you'll be one of them, and I hope you're friggin' dog too, and I'm going to be free. Amen. Get an attitude in you. I'm not letting the world tell me what percentage chance I have of having a sound mind and a healthy body. Oh, no. I, Jesus paid a price with his blood that I can have long life, strength in old age, eyes that see, ears that hear, joints that work. Hallelujah. As your days are, so shall your strength be. Healthy blood, a clear central nervous system, the ability to speak. I I have that by the will of God. How do you hide? I'm telling you, there's going to there's gonna be ministers that are in trouble on judgment day. How do you hide all these scriptures from people? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Doesn't mean you won't form them. It means they won't prosper. We're going to kill you for keeping your church open. What weapon will you use? Because none of them will prosper. Kill me. You'll die. I'll live. Can you say amen? Oh, yeah. When you know the faith message, you can counter back. Your mouth actually becomes a weapon of righteousness. Somebody told my Uncle Ted one time, another preacher. He said, the Lord shows me that he's, he's judging you and that your ministry is finished. You know what my Uncle Ted said back then with his hand in his pocket? He went, well, if you're right, then I'm done. But if you're wrong, you're done. That guy was dead in six months. That's right. Because you don't just take it. You can counter what the devil says with your mouth if you know the word of God. We're going to kill you. Oh, yeah? The Bible says I will live and not die. That I may declare the goodness of the Lord while I'm yet in the land of the living. I'm not going down. I'm going up. And I'm telling every father, every mother, every child, as you come into relationship with God, your children are finished knowing sickness. You're not going to die. Your house is going to be a place that's full of of the glory and the power of God. If you're a child here, teenager, and you got a stepdad or father who beats you, an angel will check his hand from tonight. An angel will beat him if he tries to beat you. Remember I said it. You're going to get a blessing from coming to this service. 
The devil's not going to have the children of America. I'm tired of seeing them get abused. The angels are going to go to work for the children of the United States of America. Say this so the devil can hear you. My life is not up for grabs. Say, my life is in God's hands. Who knows what the week holds? I do. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. If the lady I'm going to talk about is watching, I'm not saying this taking you for granted. I thank the Lord for you. Before I went to Angola, you know what I told my nephew when he went with me? I said, most preachers, if they go to Africa, they shut their faith off. In other words, we're going someplace that's very poor, as if God can only bless you in America. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed in America. I'm blessed in Canada. I'm blessed in Africa. I said, not that I care, but I'm keeping my faith turned on, and I expect a blessing before I leave Africa. I go and fly from Cabinda to Angola, and I'm waiting in the, in the uh, Emirates Lounge. And a lady wrote on Instagram, I've watched you on TV in Africa for five years. She said, I have a very high-ranking position at the airport and can get clearance. Would you mind if I met with you at the lounge? I want to tell you what the Lord's done in my life since I found your teachings. Well, my nephew's with me, so it's not shady. I said, sure. She comes to the lounge and tells me that when she was 21, she gave what was a big offering for her, but a small offering, and then listened to our teachings. And that from that time, I think seven years ago, All this stuff started to open up for in oil and gas. There's a ton of oil and gas in Africa like there is in New Mexico and West Texas. And she said she started to get promoted. The Lord started to show her uh, ways to solve problems. Actually, there was a company in Africa that wanted to do business in the Philippines, but they had gotten in a fight with the president and it blocked the deal. She was at a party for work and met the president of the Philippines' daughter and they became friends. So for a company, she went with the daughter, talked to the president, and at 24 years old, worked the deal and got them the, the contract. So they gave her 6% of the contract, a national oil contract. So she's swimming in money. And she said, I wanted to come back. Now, you know, if you start making, I'm probably getting into this too deep, but if you start making hundreds of millions of dollars, you don't put it in a checking account. The bank folds or you're only good for 250000 That's if they even honor what the 275, whatever it is. So what do you do if you're smart? You make other companies. And so she has other companies to basically to house the money. Those companies start prospering. So she said now at 31, she has nine companies. And then she was going through a challenge physically. And she was watching our broadcast and God healed her. She said, I wanted to bring this for your wife and brought my wife, uh, I'm trying to think what it was, Christian Dior, like a, like a $6,000 shirt. And I came back from Africa like I came back from Beverly Hills with, uh, for my wife because faith works anywhere. It'll work when you go back to see your grandparents in Mexico. It'll work in New Mexico. It'll work in old Mexico. It'll work in Texas. It'll work wherever your foot shall tread. You'll be on land that I've given to you because the blessing is not geographic. It's on your life. I'm not shutting my faith off. Something happened to me when that guy dropped the plane off for me. Now I, I believe. Now I really believe. All things are possible to him who believes. 
Oh, yeah, I see those other CEOs of the companies in Pittsburgh when I walk to my plane. How do you get that? I'll tell you how I got it. My father gave it to me. Joseph got a coat of many colors, and I have a jet with three colors. Can you say amen? Oh, yeah, I don't need a coat. I need that plane to get from point A to point B to do what God's called me to do. You know how I got that plane? I'll tell you how I didn't get it. By saying it's hard to be an evangelist, hard traveling. Nobody wants to hear the gospel. God says, I'm done with you when you talk like that. But when you say, I'll bless the Lord at all times. What a privilege to serve the Lord. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. I'm telling you, get ready now. I'm telling you, in New Mexico, your life is going to change from tonight. God has not mapped out a life of hardship for you. Every hardship is being destroyed by the anointing. You're going over to the other side. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. His yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I've been serving the Lord now for 40 years. Gave my life to the Lord when I was three. Shouldn't have taken that long. I was in church every night. I don't have one complaint. That 2020, that should have been like my complaint, well, it was hard. We were getting death threats. Who cares? I'll tell you what the real insult is, is no one caring that you exist. I had that for 17 years. I could come to a town and preach whatever I want. No newspapers cared. Nobody threatened you. That's boring. What's exciting is when you realize you're preaching something that ticks people off. Not in church. I'm talking that ticks the devil off. You got to get rid of this kid. Good luck trying. My life's not in your hands. The Bible says that the Lord holds them securely in his strong right hand and the evil one touches them not. I mean, you know, we have generational curses that would bull crap. You have one. I don't have one. We have curses in our bloodline. What bloodline do you have? Because the Bible says when we become a Christian, we're not the same old Shuttlesworth blood becoming a Christian. That the old man is dead and a new life has begun. And the blood that we have in our veins is the blood of our Father God and he's not curseable. I prophesy in the name of Jesus, every curse that has lingered on your life, it falls off now in Jesus' mighty name. Are any among you sick? Sickness is an enemy. It's not a normal part of life. I mean, it's just now that we live in a fallen world. Everything in this world has been corrupted by sin. Bull crap. Everything in this world has not been corrupted by sin. The Bible is called incorruptible seed. Has the Bible been corrupted by sin? No, it has not. And that word, is it a dead word or an alive word? Where does it live? Say in my heart. Oh, yeah. So if it's alive in me, then I have something in me that has not been corrupted by this world. And therefore, what's in this world does not have the capacity to overcome me. But I have the capacity to overcome the evil that's in this world by the good of God's word that's in me. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome, not survive. It doesn't say don't be overcome by evil. God will give you power to make it to the end. That's not Christianity. That's some kind of weak. Yeah, editing. 
I'll just stick with weak. But deep down, you know what I mean. Some kind of uh, uh, limited, some kind of weak imposter. There, I found the non-curse word. Found a weak imposter of Christianity. I mean, no, God will give us strength to make it to the end. One day when we come to the end, we'll make it across the line and he'll scoop us up and say, I tried my child. (laughs) Heaven's not the home of survivors. Heaven is called the home of overcomers. Not to say to as many as survive, I'll give them, I'll cause them to sit on my throne. It says to as many as overcome, I will cause them to sit down on my throne and they will wear my crown. When you get to heaven, you're not going to meet a bunch of weak, pusillanimous polywogs. I don't know what that means, but my grandfather used to say that all the time when he preached. You're going to meet a bunch of weak people. You know, how do they say people hear somebody like me preach that, that they're preachers and they go, he says the God will give you an overcomer's life. Paul, what about Paul? Paul was martyred. Yeah, on like the 19th try. They didn't kill him the first try. They failed every time. They stoned Paul to death. The believers gathered around him to bury him, and he popped up out of the rocks and said, who are we burying? (laughs) You. Well, I'm not dead, so pick somebody else. Then the Bible says he went straight back into the city uh, where the people had stoned him. You talk about guts. They say, oh, I'm alive. Okay, where can I get away? Uh, Where's the city where they stoned me to death? There. Okay, good. Strength. More than conquer. He has made us. Not will make us in heaven. He has made us. More than conquers. Now I'm telling you right now as I'm walking around like a shepherd walking around sheep. You're being healed right now in your seat. One of the reasons you feel a joy on the inside of you and you feel victory is because the chains are not going to fall off. The chains are already off. I don't know how long ago it was, but we hit a certain point where that stuff can't stay in the room with me. It can't stay. There's too much Jesus in me. Can you say amen? Amen. Oh, yeah. He really thinks he's something. However much you think I think I'm something, I actually think much more of myself than what you're offended about. Because it's not me that has the power and the goodness. But I am fully persuaded that the one who died on Calvary, by a mystery of the Spirit, he lives in me. It's no longer I that liveth. But Christ liveth in me. And so the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me. Somewhere along the line, Jonathan Shuttlesworth died by a mystery of the Spirit. But nevertheless, I live. But it's no longer I. How come I had a speech impediment? But I don't have one anymore. Because Jesus doesn't stutter. And Jesus doesn't have trouble pronouncing words. My weakness was swallowed up by his strength. And his strength strength is so great that it swallowed up death. Oh death where is thy victory? Oh death where is thy sting? The resurrection life of Jesus Christ lives on the inside of me. Say this out loud because he lives so also shall I live. Now let's say it in plain English. Say because Jesus is alive. I can live like Jesus lived. How did Jesus live? 
How did he live? Do you ever read any Bible verses? And Jesus canceled his trip to Capernaum because it was spring and his allergies were bad? No. He didn't battle sickness. He destroyed sickness. And that life that he had, I don't understand. Literally, if you sat people and they wanted to make an argument that there's no healing or miracles for today, then, then Jesus doesn't live in us. Was there like a second weaker Jesus that the actual Jesus went to heaven? Then he gave us like his little brother that isn't that strong and was kind of conquered by death. If Christ, if the Christ of the Bible lives in me and lives in you and that life that's in him destroys sickness and disease, then how, how can my hands not heal the sick? These signs, your amen was weak. How can these hands not heal the sick? I want every person to hold their right hand up. Close both eyes. Say, thank you, Father, that this hand is now consecrated as a weapon of righteousness. This hand heals the sick. This hand doesn't spread disease. This hand heals disease. Now lift your other hand up next to it and begin to thank God. That you might look like everybody else, but you're not like everybody else. You're not in a mental health crisis. You're not in a sickness crisis. We don't have crisis. We have Christ. And Christ puts an end to every crisis. Come on, thank him. If you're filled with the Spirit, begin to pray in the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Boy, I feel his presence in here. You can feel his presence because you're in a room full of people that have faith. Faith is growing on the inside of you. The devil's not going to have your marriage. The devil's not going to have your body. The devil's not going to have your eyesight. You're not going down. This church is declared cancer-free in Jesus' mighty name. Command it to drop off your skin. I command it to dry up out of your blood in Jesus' name. That resurrection life is flowing into you now. Are any among you sick? The elders of the church shall pray the prayer of faith. And the Lord will raise them up. The Lord will. Not the Lord might or the Lord can. The Lord will. Look at the Lord touching people right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. People are getting healed in mass right now. E-N-M-A-S-S-E in mass. Many people are being healed right now. Many people are being healed right now. Keep praying. Let him touch you. I see your body getting stronger right now. What you couldn't move, you're going to move right now. What you couldn't see, you're going to see right now. What you couldn't hear, you're beginning to hear right now. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be set free in Jesus' name. The same power that destroys cancer, destroys alcoholism, destroys depression, destroys disease. Hando ripa, no more. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, precious Lord. If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he shall quicken your mortal body. Not when you die, now. From the top of your head, thank you for strength. <laughs> Praise God. 
Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I refuse to battle anything that Jesus took in my place. Somebody else can fight it. I'm not fighting it. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name forever and ever. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. You're a wonderful Savior. You've been so good to us. We give you glory. Thank you for your plan for our life. Thank you for your hand that's on our life. We thank you for it, Lord. We give you praise, O Lord. Thank you for the mighty anointing of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name forever and ever. Thank you for undoing. There's people that 38 years of bad confessions that you heard growing up in your house, negative verdicts, somebody always sick, poverty has never left your home. God is undoing that all right now. You're walking out of Egypt and coming into Canaan's fair land. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Your house isn't going to be a place of physical abuse, sexual abuse, perversion. Your house is going to be a place where the glory of God resides. In Jesus' name. Be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just lift our hands and begin to thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name. I feel you in this room, oh Lord. I feel your sweet presence in this room. Could you sing that song that you sang last night? God's presence is healing people right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for people that have faith. How many when I return will I find that still have faith? Thank God he's got a room full of them right now. That's why Hobbs is different. If you go to Albuquerque, it's different than Hobbs. It's not because there's a bigger population. It doesn't feel like here. You can feel God in this town. This is a town that's set apart for the things of God. The blessing of God is on this town called Hobbs. Pastor Dean Shropshire's work is being rewarded in this town. This town is going to be an oasis. When all the things that go wrong go wrong in the last days, Hobbs is going to be an oasis where people can come and partake of the goodness of God. In Jesus' name. Before you guys sing, I'm just going to speak out of my spirit. The same way God turned over land and property and made building easy for me, the Lord's going to reward this church with that. In, in the time to come, as this church continues to grow and multiply, your next move property and building wise will be the easiest move you ever made. It'll be like picking out a sweater at the store. In Jesus name, you'll get the money 
and the property in the building without spending any of the money. In Jesus' name. The hand of the Lord's on this church. Now, when I was... When I was younger, I'd have felt to fit a different format. Like now would probably be a good time to give an altar call or whatever. But I just want to, for my own personal benefit, enjoy the presence of God that's in this room. Why rush out of it? You, know, you see people, what time is it? 9.04. Like at 9.15, there'll probably be a family or two that leaves or whatever because it's 9.15. And there's school in the morning or something. But what you get in this atmosphere, the Bible says we're being changed. In this, this type of thing is where it happens. We're being changed from glory to glory. Our, in, our corruptible is, is putting on incorruptibility right now. Your mind, I'll tell you right now, anybody, like if you check yourself, the thing you'd like prayer for that you're saying, boy, I hope you pray for me. If you check, you probably don't even have it. I need prayer. I battle depression. I guarantee you, you're not depressed right now. There's no chance. Like a fish... Like a fish trying to survive in the Sedona Desert. That's how depression would be in this atmosphere. It would get it would get suffocated. There's an atmosphere that's conducive for depression, and there's an atmosphere that kills depression. This one kills it. If you get close to me, you'll get undepressed without prayer. I got enough joy for the both of us. They tried to paddle it out of me in Christian school, but it never worked. I've got joy joy unspeakable and full of glory and that which I've received of the Lord I pass along to you you won't struggle from December 13th 2023 to December 31st 2024 if Jesus tarries it's going to be the best 12 and a half months you've ever had your marriage will be different your children will be different God will give you a plan to navigate through every seeming obstacle that's in your path. In Jesus' name. The, the bad, that's, the evil that's trying to overcome you, you're going to follow the command of the scripture. You're not going to be overcome with evil. And you're not going to survive the attack of evil. You're going to overcome the evil with good. If you ever played sports growing up, there's nothing sweeter then going in at halftime down three touchdowns and the other team already thinks they have the victory in the bag and you, somehow you guys pull something out and beat them in the second half. That's called overcoming. Looks like you're down and finished and you finish on top. That's going to be your life story beginning right now. That's the joy of the Lord. pray for this lady in the um, sweatshirt, blue or black. Lift both hands, close both eyes. In Jesus' name. That's it. Go right through you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're so wonderful. Be careful what you play in the car on the way home. I want to I want to hop in and just pop on Cardi B or whatever. I'd bring this home with you.
Don't, that's what got Samson killed. He got in the anointing, and then as soon as he was done, he went and hooked up with Delilah. And if you do that long enough, it'll kill you. Just live in the anointing. Put stuff on in your house that's conducive to the anointing. Put on my YouTube channel when they unblock me. May, you know what I got blocked for this week on YouTube? Medical misinformation. And it wasn't for talking about the vaccine. That's, a, that's over. I actually saw on the YouTube terms of service that you can lose your account if you tell people that prayer can heal sickness and disease. Well, if that's a fact, then just take me off now. So if that's what got me banned, let me just plainly say, prayer heals all sickness and disease. Yeah, I'm not gonna alter my preaching so that Pfizer can make you a slave for the rest of your life. The blood of Jesus heals all sickness and all disease. When are you going home? Tomorrow? Be blessed. Command your heart to be strengthened. Command you to live a long time. And whoever wants your land when you die to have to wait for a friggin' eternity. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have the best year you've ever had. In Jesus' name. I love you guys. Thanks for coming. They drove all the way from South Dakota to be in these meetings. You ever see that show Yellowstone? That's based on his life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, there's such, I don't know everybody that's here, but everybody I know is such a great, what this town is just an awesome town. I know there's a couple of people who shoot people and stuff. I haven't really met them. Great people here. I can feel your faith. You don't have to be somebody that's gone to church your whole life. There's people that have gone to church their whole life. They have as much faith as I have Chinese yuan money. None. You can come to church one night and, and say, you know what? I believe that stuff and, and tap into it. God, God will treat you like you've been here your whole life. What happened when the prodigal son came home? Did the father say, you're not going to come here one night. You come back and expect me. No. Go get a robe, give him my ring, and throw a party for him for my son that was dead has come home. And it was actually the older brother that stayed there. You're going you're gonna to accept him after he ran away and squandered his inheritance? That's religion. But God's been waiting for you to come. He, he'll treat you like you've been here the whole time. He sent his son Jesus to die for you. He loves you. Amen? Let me pray for you, my friend, that came here from, from Texas. Now, when the attack of the enemy was to take your joy. When you lose your joy, you lose your strength. When you lose your joy, you lose what facilitates miracles and the blessing of God. When I lay hands on you, oppression is broken. And God's going to fill you with joy. Amen? You can't. Yeah, and that's, that's tonight. Because that oppression. You're going to get it right now. You don't, you don't have to. God is going to give it to you right now. When that attack came, the whole purpose was to take your joy and bring you under oppression. And that's broken today. And the Lord gives you joy. Let me see both of your hands. Now receive this. Receive it as easy as can be.
every oppression of the enemy. Go! Receive joy. Receive joy. Put this hand on your stomach. Joy. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Joy unspeakable. Every heaviness broken. In Jesus' mighty name. Every torment of the devil leaves every life now. You're not going to have a face that frowns. Or one that when you smile, your eyes don't smile. You know what I'm talking about? You ever see people go like this when they smile? They're not actually happy. God's going to put the joy back in your eyes. You don't need Jose Cuervo to have joy. You need Jesus Christ, the other JC. Jesus Christ. You can have joy all 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. Amen? Every hand lifted. Go ahead and sing that, Sister Charity. car you you just feel great all day every day how much of your mission support do you have left to raise for next year four hundred thousand I'll give you a hundred thousand does it do you have to have it up front or can you pay it throughout the year okay I'll pay you a hundred thousand at the year what's that eighty four hundred a month no what is it what's a hundred thousand divided by twelve not ten thousand yeah, 8400 8400 a month. Yeah, I'll do that. And then so now you're down to 300000 Both of you stand up and step forward. 
You guys are missionaries to what country? Zambia. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Uh, make sure you see my friend Abraham that travels with me and get, give him your information because I'll forget. You won't get any money. Once I eat two, two of those street tacos and two pieces of quesadilla, I'm gone. Do you know, not that anyone cares, but every night this week, I've slept in my overcoat, suit, shirt, and tie. What are you putting those tacos? Ambien? I'm telling you the truth. I barely make it in my room. Like, That real Mexican food will put you on your back. It's over. You could have like big plans for the day. And if you eat Mexican food for lunch, you're like, you know what? I think I've done enough for today. Walking around looking like Joe Biden. <laughs> Shame on you for laughing. Now, when you go back to that country, God's anointing you to tear it up. It, not, not in a good way. In Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Get that song recorded. You know, every time, every time there's a strong anointing like there is now, I lose a ton of money. Just like people do when they get drunk and they lose money. Do you get, I've never given them $100,000 in a million years. Then the Lord just starts showing you where to, where to spend the money. But the difference is, when you get drunk and start flinging your money around, it's gone. When you get drunk in the Spirit and start flinging your money around, it comes back multiplied. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Not to single you out, my friend. I, You know... You'd think as long as I've been doing this, I'd get better at like reading the Spirit. I started thinking about you today just out of the blue, and I was going to ask, but it, the, I wasn't to ask where you were. It was the Lord showing me you're going to be here tonight. I'm going to minister to you. Let me pray for you real quick in the app. Lift both hands. Whatever remains to be done, the Lord does it all right now. The battle is over. any fear. You feel it? There's gone. You can't have it in this atmosphere. So take it home with you. Why play Why play secular artists when you hear them interviewed, that they're on medication, can't get out of bed because they have anxiety? That spirit is in their music. So put other music on. Amen. With pure and holy people like Pastor Charity. Look at her. She, she's dressed like she's Came here on a stagecoach in 1880. Amen. Pure. Pure. Amen. (laughs) 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it right out loud. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. One more time. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. Well, this has been an odd week of meetings. The Lord spoke to me to give 50000 to Pastor Dean and Pastor Kathy. Then 10000 to each of their kids. There's eighty. Then a hundred to whoever those two people are. And I haven't taken any offerings, so I'm down 180. <laughs> and I don't care. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. <laughs> There's nothing to worry about. Jesus is alive. His blessing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pray for you too. You in the red and you in the black and orange. Come right out. I feel like you two used to cause trouble, and now you can cause trouble for Jesus. Amen. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Father, I thank you for these two troublemakers. I thank you that you're anointing them now to cause trouble for the kingdom of darkness. In Jesus. Nay, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled in Jesus' name. Never the same from today. In Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for it. We give you praise. What time is it? I just saw two ladies leave. 921. They have very important things to do. We have to be home at 930. What are you in a hurry for? The lights are still on at the nursing home. They don't even do lights out till 10. Amen. It's always two seasoned Christians. They must be from out of town. Amen. I've never met anybody in Hobbs that's looking to go to bed at 9.30. I can tell you that right now. Lift your hands one more time all over this place. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Blessed. That's called joy. You know what's not called joy? That's called joy. Lift your hands, Pastor Kathy. Joy. Joy unspeakable. Joy unspeakable. <laughs> Full of glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many of you never knew Pastor Kathy like, laughed like the Joker? Joy unspeakable. Come on, receive joy. Receive joy, joy unspeakable, full of glory. The devil's trying to put depression on you, but God's got joy, joy unspeakable. You better get some joy or that lady's going to take it off. Now you think how much it must tick the devil off 
that he's messed with your life for 30 years and meant to have you crying and here you are laughing in his face because the devil might have had the first laugh but you're laughing last and you're going to laugh the rest of this year in Jesus mighty name somebody somebody shout hallelujah every head bowed every eye closed if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible calls Christ the fountain of joy, the wellspring of joy. He is the source of joy. Let me pray for this lady in the red cardinal's uh, sweatshirt. Come right up. Power of God's on you, ma'am. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Joy. Joy unspeakable. If anybody has somebody that they buried prematurely and the devil used that where you've never had your joy back since, the Lord gives you your joy back in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Remember Jesus prayed for that blind guy and he saw men as trees walking. Then he prayed for him a second time and his eyes became all the way clear. Here, sorry. I'm just going to get there. I'm going to pray for this lady a second time. See her right here. Jesus' name. Now that, now that that got broken off you, now the Lord fills you with joy. Put your other hand on your belly. Receive an infilling of joy from the Holy Ghost. No more heaviness. In Jesus' name, that joy will never leave you. You'll never battle that again. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Nice to see you guys. I know you thought you were safe sitting back here, but I traveled. Amen. I want everybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ to give your life to him tonight. Don't go home on your way to hell. You enjoying a church service doesn't get you in heaven. You have to personally receive Jesus Christ. You know, when you go to, if you go to like a good university and you take a philosophy class, they ask the question, it's what people have been debating for like 8,000 years. What is the meaning? What's the purpose of life? What is life? I can answer the question for you. Life is the space of time that God gives every human being to repent before they go into eternity. And if you let that time elapse and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you go to hell. I promise you if there was no hell, I would preach like 10 times a year. I wouldn't, I want to leave my wife and get, you know, whether you get the principles of stuff, you know, I can live without you having that. But the Bible doesn't just say he that believeth and is baptized will be saved. It says he that refuses to believe will be damned. You go to hell. And so, Think of this now. Why is there a hell? How could a God of love make a place called hell? Well, when you see that Nashville shooting or the, somebody Uvalde, somebody goes in and guns down a, a nine-year-old in her back as she's going to ring the fire alarm to, to warn her classmates, God made a place to destroy that, to burn it off the face of the earth. You say, yeah, well, they, they need that. Yes, but all have sinned. It's the thing that needs destroyed and burn up is sin. 
And everyone's born with sin. You should, what's the Christmas message? They told Mary, you don't get to pick his name. You will call him for he will save the people from there. So if you reject him, there's no other, there's no second way to get free from sin. There's not like a Visa, MasterCard, and American Express. There's just Jesus. And so if you reject him, then the Bible says, okay, fine, you can reject him. But now the thing God sent, the person God sent to take your sin, you said no. So now you keep your sin and you have to go to hell because God will not have sin in the new earth. There's not going to be any Uvalde shootings or Nashville shootings. That has to be burnt off the earth. So if you choose to hold it, you go with it. You'll be with all those people you don't like. All the wicked people that are in the world because there's not degrees that get judged. All of it gets judged. So repentance is not joining a church, not deciding to switch from Catholic to Protestant that has nothing to do with what we're going to do. Tonight will be the night where you've given God your sin. So then when there's judgment for sin, you won't have anything to answer for. Jesus took your judgment for sin so that you can make heaven your home. So I want you, like it's just me and you in the church right now, like if we were the only two. Has there been a time in your life where you've come to an altar and received Jesus as your Savior? I'm not going to pass the mic around and make you tell your sins. You just give the Lord your sin, your business, nobody else's business, including mine. But if you don't do that, that's a mistake. Don't make that mistake. Let this Christmas mark a new life. Where, think of this. For the rest of your life, when Christmas rolls around, you got double reason to be happy. That's the time that I got real with God. I gave my life to him, and I've never been the same. The curse of sin is broken, and salvation has come to my house. If you're here, and you've never done that, or you once did it, and you fell back into sin, and you want to take care of that with me tonight. Pray with me. Don't leave me up here by myself. Make that happen tonight. Put your hand up high and we'll pray together right now. Who needs to do that tonight? Put your hand up. I want to make things right with God. I want to make tonight the night. I get rid of sin instead of sin getting rid of me. Let me see your hand. I want to make things right with God. Be honest with God. I need to make things right with Him. There's never been a time where I've come to an altar. Awesome. More. Awesome. Who else? More. Awesome. This great. Awesome. Who else? What about these two sections? Everybody. Oh, more. Awesome. Very quickly. Everyone that lifted a hand, come and join me at the altar right now. We're going to pray. Come right now. This is your night. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome, brother. Sir. There's more. This is great. This is your night. If there's anything to ever do unashamed, it's this. It's the most important thing you can do. Anybody else before we pray? Praise God. Anyone else? I'm only giving more time because people, people make take time to make up their mind here. We're not on the East Coast. I dropped my laundry off on Monday and it's still not ready. So people need a little more time in hops. Amen. Move a little slow. Nothing wrong with that. Praise God. All right. Welcome. Congratulations. I want everybody that's come forward to lift both hands to the Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to say this prayer from your heart. 
there's a real God that hears this prayer. As you're praying it, he's going to take your old heart out and give you a new heart. Your old heart that loved to sin and didn't care much about God. God's going to give you a new heart that detests sin and loves God with a passion. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand, my friend. Say, by the blood of Jesus, I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name. There it is. Amen. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.